hand into the fire. Run. Run! Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast. Erebor, built deep within the mountain itself, the beauty of this fortress city was legend. Its wealth lay in the earth, in precious gems hewn from rock, and in great seams of gold running like rivers through stone. The skill of the dwarves was unequalled. So, uh, can anyone guess what today's show's about? <laughs> uh, Dan, how's it going, man? You right? Yeah, yeah, all good. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. It's been, um, we, I think I made the foolish um, error of promising that we'd be back to two podcasts a month on the last episode fully expecting to be back to two podcasts a month and then we've had um it's just been one of those months isn't it where things yeah things throw up things and delayed us a little bit here and there um we both it's not all been my fault you've delayed us once this time it's normally all me and and to be fair all but one one delay was was me um but um it's just yeah just been one of those months where you've been very very busy with work and things and i've had family things and bits going on and um and then we delayed it recording even this this week by a couple of days because my i managed to put my back out um a few days ago I, I tend to do that a couple of times a year which is always good um but it's just easing up now so i'm able to sit in the chair for a longer period and talk talking's never a problem is it so dan tell us we're going to tell everyone what we got coming up in the show well obviously we're going to have the usual uh mini meetings where we talk about everything we've been up to and it has been quite a quite a chaotic month or so since we last <laughs> recorded so there's plenty to go on that then we're gonna have our main section which is about uh well, the line of Durin uh, and Erebor and uh, might concern some recent releases from Forge World to quite amazing <laughs> models. So that's coming up. And then we've got our heroic deathmatch, who uh, may include two individuals that have been released recently from Forge World. So we'll assuredly come to that. And then uh, we'll let you all escape back to your normal <laughs> uh, everyday lives. Yeah, well, we, we wanted to we wanted to talk about the new models, but we, we didn't want to turn it into... We don't, you know, there's lots of talk about what may or may not come next. I think the community assumption is we've got a book around the corner that's going to involve them, and that may well be the case. We just, we don't know. So we thought we didn't really want to turn it into a show of wish listing, and we both love dwarves, so it'd be very, very easy to do that. So we thought we'd, we'd tackle it in a slightly different way and um, and actually do a little, you know, cover cover some lore, which is something we, we cover through the back door using um, um, narrative gaming, but we don't cover just law. So we thought, well, we'd do a little bit of a, a dive into the law that leads up to uh, these these new characters um, and um, and do a bit of uh, reading around the, the, the side of the War of the Ring we don't see as well, the side of the War of the Ring that's not in the books or the films, where it's just a throwaway lines here or there that explains what's going on. So that's why we're, that's why we're talking about Erebor. So um, hopefully... Hopefully you guys enjoy listening to us talk about it later on the show. But anyway, let's take a short break and we'll come back with many meetings. Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK. 
market-leading gaming mats from GameMat.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit incomgaming.co.uk. Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. And we're back with many meetings. So I'll hand you straight over to Dan and he can tell you all about what he's been up to for the last, it's been a month again, isn't it? So for the last month. Yeah, it's uh, it has been a month. Um, not as productive as the previous month, I, I will say. And I uh, know I do this in my usual de- self-deprecating way of oh, what was me, gnashing of teeth, rending of garments, etc. I've not done enough hobby, but it really hasn't been quite as good. Uh, work has been mental. Um, those who know, know, but uh, in general, I have up till very recently been working in support of the hospitality industry. And anyone in Britain will know that uh, with the easing of restrictions, people have been able to go out to have dinner and more recently gone out and then go in to have dinner. So naturally, more places are opening up. And would you believe it? They've not really looked at what kit is still working before they uh, reopen. So my workplace has gone mental with everyone's stuff being broken. But I did hand in my notice uh, yesterday, so I will say that on this podcast because it's something I'm very happy about and it's going to mark a major change for me. Uh, It'll mean I'm uh, my work-life balance will readdress itself a little bit, which means I've got far more room for hobby and painting, which makes me very happy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's Um, um, you've had you've had you've had quite a lot of time in the last year with your third day for painting you you, but in terms of your 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 happiness, um, it will definitely give you probably even more than extra time for painting i think uh, most people listening to this will say what dan's always painting <laughs> yeah yeah i suppose i mean compared to a lot of people i have it very very good uh, good but when uh work uh, impinges not only upon the time i actually have but also is incredibly stressful it, it, it knocks the old hobby mojo a bit it's usually one of the first things to suffer yeah and it i do notice it and it's not a situation among many situations as you know, as a result of, you know, workplace happiness. And I think, you know, it's one of the things I wasn't happy about. And I think it's something we don't always talk about because unfortunately you do spend near a third of your lifetime. Yeah. You know, you work your week there. You know, I know it's not quite if you discount the weekends, but it's still a lot of time. Um, And especially if it starts eating into the rest of your time and you're carrying that stress home with you. I think it's something that people don't always want to talk about because especially in the current environment where there's an awful lot of people who unfortunately you know, out of work and I do, you know, I appreciate it can possibly sound a little bit selfish or callous for me to complain about my job. <laughs> I was teasing but, you. I was teasing you. And, and the, oh yeah. I wanted to highlight that the main point was, is that you, you're going to be a lot happier now in your new, in your new work, which is, which yes. is what you're getting out there as well. But yeah, you, of course you'll get even more time painting, which is probably the better description of it. But, yeah. So more than anything, I'll come home and I won't feel just, you know, drained from the day getting through it and i'll have the energy and the the, the, sort of the zing to sit down at a painting table and and get painting again which is you know for a long for a long period i was able to do and it made me very happy so you know why wouldn't i want to get back to that yes yeah yes absolutely so enough of my you know self-absorbed prattling about jobs and stuff (laughs) what have i been doing hobby wise well i did get the new dane ironfoot and thorin three stone helm um from forge world and i have painted them i painted and based them uh always on the the uh, generation shift bases i've done them to match my uh iron hills 
for obvious reasons, so I can uh, bring the Iron Hills models into the War of the Ring era uh, as the rules permit and uh, play some games with those, which I'm really excited about, particularly the fact that two models can completely revitalize an existing army. Not that I've played with my existing army, but, you know, it's still exciting. <laughs> you, have a, you, have a, you have a little bit, but uh, probably not as much yeah. as you'd expected to before you, when, when you finished painting them that first point. I've played with 500 points of my 1,000 points painted. <laughs> That's it. So it's half the army I've never used, and yeah. anything I've painted since pretty much I've not used either. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It means I can, you know, play them both ways. And as someone who's massively into the thematic side of it, the ability to use the models and the army that I love appropriately in the era. Yeah. And so I could play against other, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings, War of the Ring era uh, evil armies. I love that. Yeah. It means that I'm mean, not going to feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's, well, we're both excited about what that opens up, and that's why we've made it the topic of the, of the show today. Um, yes, and, uh, my, plus the models are awesome. They, yeah, yeah, they certainly are. They certainly are. Very much enjoy painting those. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm still not sure. Some days I think that Dane was nicer to paint some days i think thorin was nicer to paint <laughs> they are very very you've done an amazing job with them as well and very well received and, and, and well deserved as well so uh, yeah I, I was very i was happy with how they came out i put a lot of love into those and i did take a week off over my birthday period and that, that gave me a lot of time to sit down and actually do some um, proper work on them and i did you know really enjoy it and um once again steve at top table um did a sort of a painting sort of challenge for may which is metallics. So um, because I started Thorin within the month of May, I've put him forwards towards that. And that closed the other day. So I don't think they've started voting yet. I'm hoping I'll get cut in for that, but I don't know at this stage. Is that on top, uh, top table again? Yes, top table gaming. Yes. So you'll be able to find that if you go and find their uh, Facebook page. Um, give it a like and a follow. Um, there's some good stuff going on there. And um, Steve does some really good stuff on YouTube as well. So, you know. Give them a look on YouTube and on uh, the various social medias. It's always worth uh, popping on there. There's good hobby people, lots of different um, hobby sort of games and backgrounds and, and stuff. Um, and he does sort of cool painting challenges, and it's good to see what other people in the community are up to with the painting and push yourself a little bit as well. It, it's super laid back and friendly there, isn't it? For, for a um, multi-system kind of group, it's, it's large as well it's it's super super friendly you don't get any of the stereotypical kind of tropes that you hear about certain game systems when they're discussed on there it's just it's almost like your local gaming clubs facebook group isn't yeah it, with that kind of just generally positive stuff really really recommend it yeah definitely so um yeah i painted up uh thorin and uh, uh dane there on our social medias so you can go and find those on there entered thorin into uh the challenge for metallics Seemed appropriate given more than half of him's gold. Um, I, speaking of birthdays, I got uh, Curse City. Uh, I was very, very lucky to receive that as a birthday present. I have broken the seal on it now. I've opened it up. I've not begun painting anything yet, if I'm honest. But uh, I have uh, opened it up and looked at all of the very beautiful models in there. I'm really looking forward to that. Slightly jealous, slightly jealous for that one. As much as I, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't miss out. I didn't try to get it. Um, I just knew that it would sit in a box for a very long time. 
but um yeah let's not touch that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's been that 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 uh muck has been raked enough i think um online and uh on podcasts and stuff oh yeah, yeah. no no i wasn't i wasn't getting, <laughs> getting that through the bad. i just generally didn't i didn't miss out i was just i just watched it and thought oh, i like the models but you know what it's an expensive purchase if you don't have any kind of semi-immediate plans to play it and i can't see where i'd wear or who i'd play it with in the short term when i've got so many other things on the go if that makes sense oh absolutely i mean i i'd have probably bought it anyway um because i was very excited about it once i saw it um i love the aesthetic it reminds me of mordheim which i very much enjoyed yes um but i was lucky enough that it fell before my birthday so i asked for it and i was lucky enough to receive it so <laughs> you know that's that's it's, it's, it's a lovely thing so uh Oh, I'm well stoked on that. Um, I started my Frodo, Frodo and Sam in Orkama. You did, yeah. Um, I've painted both of those. I need to paint their sort of little vignette diorama base kind of thing. They're um, awesome as Which well. I'm going to... Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed them. You've, you've, you've started the base, have you? I, th- I saw a picture of them was it on your Instagram on the base, but you could see the base wasn't quite finished, but you'd done some of it. Is that what stage you're at? Or? Uh, well, at the moment, it's just undercoated for now. I mean, they're just ah. pinned into it for now. Um, obviously, not glued, but... Um, I'm getting the spacing right, and I've, um, I'm going to talk to a few people I know who've got 3D printers about um, getting... Uh, there's some really good files out there for sort of generic little sort of campfires and things like that, which I'm going to see if I can get a campfire yeah, done. That's cool. So there's sort of a pot um, standing in a, uh, a campfire that's gone out. And I've, um, I've got loads of spare sort of bits of shields and spears and stuff from the orcs so I'm going to stack against things. So it just look like a discarded orc camp where obviously all the orcs have been driven away from the Rannan uh, towards the Black Gates to go and meet uh, Aragorn and the men of the West. Um, So, and then obviously Frodo and Sam are sort of following on the tail end of that, as as they sort of do in the the movie and in in the book. And that's the kind of thing I want to go for. Um, Originally, I planned to do that. When was that? Uh, January? Yeah, I forgot forgot you were going to do it. And then when you painted them... I, I kind of re- half remembered. I, I saw you paint. I thought, oh yeah, he's got those. I forgot he was going to paint those models. And then when I saw them on the base, I thought, oh yeah, he was doing his little thing. I completely. Well, they were MTO'd, happen. weren't they? So and they didn't arrive for January, which is uh, fair enough. Yes, you know, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not fussed about that. It's uh, it's given me more time to do them than I possibly would have spent on them otherwise. So yeah, you know, it's, it's silver linings and all that. So yeah, I want I want to finish it though because I like the idea of it. So that that's going to get done, and then I'll get it all painted up. So. Yeah, um, again, speaking of um, 3D printing, um, I've got a couple of uh, friends who uh, actually work um, for one of the largest 3D printing companies there is going, uh, one photocentric. Um, and they, they're always sort of fiddling around with um, pushing the boundaries and things like that. And uh, yeah, uh, my mate Josh, um, he's been playing around with stuff and he's printed me out a, a, and I'm on then. Really, really nice. Really, really, really good print. It's yeah, it's um, amazing quality. I've got this. I'm assuming it's exactly the same file. Um, I can't imagine it's different. But, it's the same as most of the things I've seen, but it's very, very crisp. Yes, that's the difference between mine and yours. Mine's mine's all painted, ready for for flotsam and jetsam. But um, yeah, you could see that. You can very clearly see that. See the filament layers in in mine, which is absolutely fine. But yours is yours is much, much, much nicer. You can definitely see. The well, it's um. For a start, it's resin um, rather than being filament printed. Yeah. Um, it's like a full full on resin, and it's it's this black resin. They I don't know. 
I, I have no knowledge of this kind of thing. I'm not even going to pretend, but it, it's it's not as brittle as other ones, and it's um, okay. it takes a really good um, sort of cast and you know print, and it's black, which is kind of cool. Um, but I'm going to um, take a bit of time, put that together really nicely, and then you'll you'll see that on the social medias, etc. Uh, when that's finally done, because then I'll be able to put the rest of my um, M1 Hen board together, so I can run a game for Stu and I later. So I'll return the favour, and it's my favourite scenario as well. So yeah, part of the box. That. So I'm very much excited about uh, getting hold of that. And then I uh, got a birthday present as well from from my Dan. He's also got a 3D printer, and he did me um, an Azog bust. Yeah, I saw which I'm that. really, That's, really looking forward to painting him. That it looks awesome. I didn't know you had that. Did you shared it on Facebook, on Instagram, I think, wasn't it? But yes, yeah. uh, that's nice. That's nice. I've never painted a bust, and it's definitely something I'd like to do one day. But I'm in exactly the same boat. I've not done much at all, so it's going to be a really nice opportunity to learn some new skills. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd really enjoy spending some a little bit more time working on on the face. Um, yes. Yeah, thanks. It's quite an expressive face and the tones and textures and obviously he's got all the scars and things. So that's going to really, really um, be an interesting way of starting it. How well I do at it, well, only time will tell, but it's going to be fun either way. Have you thought about your approach to it or are you just going to... I've been up? reading some uh, bits and pieces. There's some really good um, articles online and some good videos. And Dan's got a really, really good book. Um, that you bought, I mean, 75 euros. I'd hate to think how much it'd be to get hold of it now with um, Brexit and import duties and stuff. I'm gonna, he said he's gonna lend me that, so I'm quite interested in having a look through that before I start it. I don't want to rush into it. Who's the book things by? Things those it? things. Sorry, what's the who's the book by? Oh, I blooming forget. He um, he did put it out there, um, but I completely forgot. Um, and I'm not gonna. Do the the typical sort of you know bad radio thing where I'm where I'm searching for it. <laughs> no, no, I just wondered if you're off the top of my head. I know because I know Scale Seventy Five often produce books and things. I wonder if it was one of the ones they did on painting busts or anything like that. It's definitely by by someone hobby. Um, I think it's um, the AK Interactive one. I ah, think okay. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I'd have to double check. But. Uh, Watch this space. I'm, I'm bound to report back on it in future episodes of the cast, either crying or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, but uh, I quite yeah, like the so idea of doing a bust because I think being able to keep airbrushing for longer. Um, that's the way I'd probably approach it and see how long I could go using the even sort of like using the one point, um, the point one five needle and things, and, and do an awful lot more with that before I moved over to the hairy brush. But I don't. That's why I was wondering how you thought about approaching it. Whether you thought you. I think I'm going to do the whole thing with the hairy brush. Ah, okay. Because I, I love painting skin. I love painting skin tones and stuff. I love it. It's one of my favourite things to do. Uh-huh. Um, and the ability to, you know, blend colours together and then start glazing in and out and working on shadow and tone and, and things like that. And I think more as an exercise to see if I can do that much and be that subtle with a hairy brush, I think could be quite interesting. What about a really detailed pre-shade or pre-highlight beforehand with the, with the airbrush before you then go and use the hairy brush for that kind of stuff? Or I would need to clean my airbrush out con- con- quite comprehensively before that would happen <laughs> at the moment. Oh. <laughs> it, it, it really needs to go through the ultrasonic at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm contemplating buying a second one to be honest because the one I've got my uh, 
Just keep buying, my just keep buying is, new needles and nozzles. That's what I need to do. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I mean, the needle and nozzle that are in it, I think, are getting for 18 months old and have been using it quite a lot. So I think it's going to need one soon. But I am tempted to turn it more into my um, workhorse brush and yeah. use it for, you know, just basic um, base coats, zenithals, doing all my varnishing, that kind of stuff yeah, with, and then yes. get myself uh, an infinity for doing detail work. That's what, yeah, that's what I've got. But even even now, my infinity is well, a couple of years old now, and I've, I've just bought a new nozzle again. But even then, I start to think, ah, yeah, I, I do yeah. kind of look after it, but it just does so much. Um, that's then, it. It's same then, thing for me. And I'd almost wish, I'm always tempted to buy, a, say, another fin- infinity at some point, but then leave the second one that say, right, no, the best. metallics <laughs> never, yeah, metall- yeah, have one that metallics never go through, have one that varnish never goes through. Um, that's pretty much that the way I'm sitting with it. Because it's, there's a lot of stuff you shouldn't do to clean an airbrush, that like you really shouldn't be using lots of the little pokey, scratchy things and, and bristles and stuff. But also, if you don't, you just can't get the paint out as well. It's kind of, you Catch have 22. to, yeah, it really, really is. All this kind of, and all you need to do is squirt a bit of cleaner through. Yeah, right. It's not quite that simple. But anyway, we digress quite a lot. Yeah, using one colour once in a blue moon, maybe. But um, no, no, I mean, I mean, there's nothing really that the Infinity does that the Evo doesn't. They're pretty much the same thing, but I kind of like the idea. If you're going to get a new one, a special one, get the best one. It feels different. It's a bit lighter. I think Definitely yeah, it's lighter. lighter and the action's smoother. So what it does the same thing. I, I probably use this analogy when I bought mine and that may have been on the Gino podcast, but it's a bit like driving a nicer car. Um, it doesn't really make a lot of difference between driving a kind of a mid-range car to driving a high-end car. But when you're, especially if you're just on the motorway and you're sticking to the speed limit, but it definitely feels like a smoother drive. And that's, that's the way I would describe um the infinity over the evo and then over the the uh the uh, the um ultra ultra yeah that's what i was gonna say so that's yeah that's what i noticed well i'm saying that i had an ultra i went from ultra straight to infinity i didn't have an evo so you might not it's yours is more of a gradual change but anyway. yeah definitely i mean we have heavily digressed on that into yeah, uh to airbrushing, to airbrushing. <laughs> but it's is you know that's probably useful consumer advice to someone <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then uh, to sort of cap it all off, this weekend just gone, I actually managed to go out and do things in the world, believe it or not. Um, I actually went to Warhammer World, uh, which was an interesting experience. Oh, does it just not feel like Warhammer World at the moment? Oh, God, no, it doesn't. No, I mean, this is not to denigrate anything that's going on at Warhammer World. Um, they're taking things incredibly seriously while still trying to give you the best possible experience. And I can't fault anything they've done. Yeah. In, in any shape or form, the only thing I would say is there's no music. And I found that weird. I, I appreciate after thinking about it, there's possibly to stop people having to raise their voices because, you know, they say people don't shout and sing along because you yeah, potentially think, spread things and all that kind of stuff. I think that's the reason. I think there's it's the same in some pubs and stuff at the moment, isn't it? They don't put music on. Yeah. I, initially, I was like, it's just weird. And, I, and then actually giving it a bit more further thought, obviously, that could be a reasoning for it. I won't pretend to understand or, you know, speak for them. But you know what? They're, they're trying really hard, um, and while it was a bit a bit sterile, I suppose that's what you need right now, and that's that's cool. Yeah, um, I don't think it's because so anyone's really singing nice along to, to the Dawn of War theme tune, though, was it? It's not. <laughs> yeah, but it was just it, it took me a second to realise why well, it, it felt so different. Then you went, ah, there's no music. Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, that, that that seems a strange one because it's usually so quiet in the background anyway. I wouldn't have expected it to have cause people to need to talk over each other the only time you need to shout in there is when the gaming 
hall's full and there's loads and loads of people all talking and all you can hear is dice rattling on realm of battle boards but that that's obviously not the case in there at the moment anyway well so. they've got mats in there now is that are they still covered in plastic or are they yeah uh, no but they are sprayed down and everything it's um yes it's i mean they're, they're doing everything they should be doing well i i can't speak highly enough of the, the effort they've gone to ensure to ensure people are you know safe and yeah, yeah. regardless of anyone's feelings who's listening to this about you know their own personal feelings about covid if they're going to cater for the people who are the most cautious then everyone's going to be happy anyway everyone's yeah. going to be you know best protected and they've done a great job of that so there are regulations all, on it as well they've got a well yeah business they but have i to think follow the, regardless of whether what your as like you said about your own people's own personal views are on them there are regulations they have to follow just to be allowed to be open anyway and i imagine the things oh yeah about even beyond are, that i think they've, they've they've definitely made sure you, you as soon as you're you've got a big company you've got got to get it right haven't you it's big companies are the ones that get noticed they're the ones that are going to hit the uh hit the front pages um well especially given it's a so you know as much as people laugh about it being ironic it is a quite social hobby that involves people getting together so yeah and uh to to quote my behalf um they have the best portaloo she's ever tried um because uh they if you need to use the loo you have to go outside they've got like a standing like toilet block you know the really fancy ones you get posh festivals sometimes okay yeah, so because uh, you can't use the Bugman's ones, I, I don't think, unless you're already in Bugman's. But we didn't go. We didn't go into Bugman's. Oh, is it? Because you have to be able to book. Oh right, okay. So, so you know, there's one, the stairs. Up, um, yeah, I was just wondering why that was the case. What What about the 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 toilets they got in the main foyer downstairs? They're all. You can use those, but the problem is the the system's one way. You go in through the main doors. Okay. So you can use the toilets in the foyer area, but once you're up into the gaming hall, the only way you can go outside is to go. You know, um, as you're going towards Bugman's, yeah. you can turn a left and take the stairs down. Right. That's how you leave. You don't go back the other way. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can see it. Probably the Which I get. Yeah, I probably didn't need to do that. The stairs are wide enough. You can you can have a tape down the middle, can't you, and a one way up and down. But no, I, I absolutely, fair enough, fair enough. I'm just, I'm just thinking, why on earth do I need portaloos? But yeah, you're right. If you can't get into Bugman's, then you might need a little, a little extra capacity. Yes, and I think they've they've done a good job of that, and they've they've made they've made the extra effort and they've gone the extra mile. So, but it was a weird experience. But I think there's nothing about the last eighteen months that hasn't been a little bit weird. <laughs> so uh, you know that was, and I got picked up some models. So I bought uh, Champions of Erebor, which I'm really excited to oh, get nice. painting. Nice. Yeah, you can't yeah. go there and not spend some money, can you? Yeah, I nearly walked home with Smaug, but I hadn't had my contract through in writing yet, so uh, I wanted to get that signed before I went and bought a dragon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, st- I didn't know. You- oh, you. Were- oh, yes. You- we have talked about you with Smaug. Just I forgot momentarily, but you have talked about a plan, haven't you? But well, we won't mention that because I don't know whether that was uh, whether you mentioned on the cast or not. Yeah, people will see. Yeah. People will see. Yeah. Got- I have made- had many plans for the future, as with all things you get excited about. I, I still think the idea of a smog hat is just ridiculous, though, Dan. Sorry. It's, <laughs> it's very, it'd it's be very fetching. Work. It's not going to work. <laughs> I'll make it work, damn it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, um, it, it's been nice to get out and do something a bit more normal. Went to Reds as well. If you're in Nottingham, got to go to Reds, go have some barbecue. I don't think I've and been there. And donuts. Don't know. I haven't been there either. Yeah, um, this uh, just off the square, but Reds is Reds True Barbecue. If I if, if I go anywhere that has a Reds, I have to have lunch or dinner at Reds because they do the most amazing barbecue food. 
mm, which I love. My favourite type of food in the world is uh, sort of southern barbecue. I love it. Mm. And uh, yeah, donuts is just if you imagine Krispy Kreme but turned right up to eleven. They're just the best donuts in the world. <laughs> oh, is it? Is the yeah, museum open again yet? Yes, yes. Museum's okay. open. You have to book though. You have to if you want to go. Um, and uh, visit the museum and visit Bugman's, you have to book a slot. Okay. So uh, I would advise anyone thinking of uh, going to book ahead. It's good to know, though, because we were, we usually, as a family, we usually head up that sort of way a couple of times a year and we we have a bit of a stop off and have some lunch there and I get to walk around the museum and we, you know that was going to be off, going to be off the cards this year until, it, until the museum was open because it kind of made it pointless and the wife needs somewhere to kind of sit with the with the kids or so um so if bugman's was closed it was just like well what's the what's the point really <laughs> going to the shop kind of thing you need to be able to spend an hour or two there so um this sounds like it's open enough now that um that's it would uh, warrant the trip yeah 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 well we we um we we've got quite a few little home home-based holidays booked this year and one of them is um i think we've booked to stay um somewhere in derbyshire um, for a few days in in October time, I think October time, and we might that's close enough that we'll we'll make a trip there on the way home or on the way there, kind of thing. Use it as a stop off and uh, go just pop in the museum and get some lunch there. So we'll just book it in and get it planned. Nice one, yeah, definitely worth a worth a go. But uh, my advice to anyone would be to book ahead. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, definitely. Then we'll, we'll see where we get to. But yeah, I mean, obviously. Uh, you sent me a present as well. We won't cover that too much on the uh, cast, but you, 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 you know, what better to say happy birthday than Nazis? <laughs> say it with Nazis. Uh, yeah, obviously, we've we've touched on the uh, idea of we're going to do a little bit of bolt action, and uh, year, yeah, yeah, I've got the um, some Africa core, which I've put some of them together. They're really good. Yeah, they weren't they weren't pure pure Nazis. I didn't I didn't like say happy birthday with some Waffen SS or anything. Yeah, like that. <laughs> that would have been a little bit too. Uh, <laughs> well, I've seen again. There's a pretty good joke about that on uh, the Friday night dinner, uh, where he, he actually, as a Jewish son, he, uh, he receives the book on the SS. <laughs> I, I, uh, I that was a good joke. I've, I've seen that or forgotten that, though. I haven't seen the last season. I don't think. I was I was immediately thinking of um, uh, Mitchell and Webb. Yes, and, uh, are we the bad guys? Are we the baddies? Yeah, <laughs> I would definitely recommend the uh, last series of Friday Night Dinner even more so since the unfortunate passing of Paul Ritter, which yeah. actually really that cut me up. Actually, I was very sad about that. But it's um, it's weird, isn't it, when it's something that um, you watch so much of, um, you just kind of like, oh, really? It's, uh... I'd only just rewatched it all as well, which is is very sad. And um, the chap who uh, did the Hungry Caterpillar died today. Did he? Yep. To to with. We're on uh, Thursday, the twenty seventh of May here, and uh, What's his name? yes, I forget his name. The gentleman's it, name he was ninety one. Eric something. I don't know if that's right. I've read it enough times. My, I think I probably read it last week to my uh, two year old. Well, you know, anyone under the age of about forty, um, you know, the, the thing of did you ever have a proper childhood if you weren't read The Hungry Caterpillar as a as a child? And I don't know anyone who who wasn't. <laughs> I t- it's yeah, it's it's a bit of a bit of a classic. Who would have expected tuning into out the frying pan? We'd have done a section on airbrushing, and now we've just done a section on the hungry caterpillar. Yeah, people who died. Yeah, it's very 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 maudlin, isn't it? But um, yeah, well, it's, I mean that's that's sad when you see things like that. They're sort of yeah, part yeah. of your formative years or part of something you enjoy. 
So, I mean that with all respect in the world as well. So, yeah, let's let's talk about something a bit more cheerful. So, what have you been up to, Steve? <laughs> um, I've um, what have I been doing? I've not done loads and loads and loads of hobby, but I've also done loads of hobby related stuff. So it's kind of I have done some more work on Smaug, but it's one of those things again. It's just chipping away at getting it built, and I've been filming little bits as I've been going, so it's slowed me down. I've not if I probably. If I went up to my hobby desk and said, right, I'm going to finish that tonight, I would have done it. But because I, I was planning it in, well, if I build this much and then record that and then I can save that footage to put into another video, which is what I've been doing. And it really kind of it's changed the way doing more videos changed the way of doing my hobby a little bit. And this thing you know, that smells obviously for the out of the frying pan channel is also for my miniature realms channel. I'm just going to go on both and doing more stuff for for YouTube. It's yeah, it's changing the way I'm. Well, I'm hobbying, which is weird. I used even my batch painting down. So I, I've done a, I did a, uh, I did a test model for something for a, for a bolt action project, and I, I won't go into that anymore because no one's not going to interest anyone here. But normally, I wouldn't just do a test model. Normally, I would get the airbrush out and I would do all of one color on the whole army and all on the next. But because I'm thinking, well, I need to do a video, <laughs> I need to do a progress video, and I need to finish one. Um, and then I can't just go now and go and finish all the others. I, I need to wait a few weeks before I do, another, you know, and, and do another video for the next one. So it's actually going to doing more and more videos might change how I hobby a little bit in in some ways. Um, but it'll probably affect my other game, the other games I look to play rather than Middle Earth, I suppose. But anyway, so yeah, I've done a little bit more on Smile, and I have done some more on the video. I didn't get it finished by the end of this month. This was my aim, and I won't do now. So we're recording this on the 27th of May, um, and I'm on holiday on Sunday for a week as well. So I won't be getting any any hobby done for a week while I'm down in Cornwall. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be probably towards the end of June. It's the time I've actually painted because I've not got any paint on it yet. Um, but I will I will get there. I am enjoying it, and that's the main thing. But it's it's I'm not there's not much to show, and I don't want to keep showing people. And oh, I've built a little bit more here, and I've attached the head, and I've attached the wing, and I haven't actually attached the wing yet. But you know, bad example. But so I've chipped away at it. But I've actually moved my office around a little bit again. So. I, don't, I didn't cover this on the last show. It's only been in the last two weeks, I think, this has happened, I think. Dan, tell me if I'm repeating myself. No, I, I'm, I think you're, you're safe. So um, I did a video when we first launched our channel to get some stuff. I was sort of showing people around the hobby room, and um, the wife was had one-third of my office. Um, so I'm in quite a decent sized room. It's a just a double bedroom sized room, um, and the wife was up the far end, and uh, and we have a another spare room as well, a, like a, like almost like a box room that I used to use as an office. And we just decided that um, the wife's using the office a lot more, and I'm using it at the same time. And and um, and I had my table up for when we played our last game, Dan. And she came in and she saw it. And she goes, oh, that looks quite good there, doesn't it? Having a table up. And I was like, well, if you move out of my office, you can you know, I can have a table. Joking not thinking that she'd say yes and she went well i could do i suppose couldn't i i don't really need to be up here and i was like oh, and i played it cool <laughs> i don't think well, she might change her <laughs> mind the, she might change her in, mind insert uh brave hot hold hold yeah well i just thought <laughs> well, she just changed she changed her mind a lot on things um so i thought i won't get too excited because it's just as likely she'll wake up in the morning and go oh, yeah it's probably not worth that is it we'll just get to keep it as it is and i wouldn't be allowed to be upset um but we've um we our little guest room which was our kind of like box room and no one's actually stayed there yet partly because of covid but genuinely it would be 
my mum two or three times a year. Um, and we thought, well, we could just do what most people do is, is, is you turf the youngest out of their bedroom, make them share with their, their older brother. And um, when someone comes to stay, my mum my can, can stay in his room or um, we can put her up somewhere else. We've got enough rooms in the house. It's just, a, you know, having a dedicated room as a spare room. And all that happened was he just chunked chuck junk on the bed um, which seems to be the way of spare rooms if anyone's got a spare room it's uh good it's completely tidy and ready for guests at any time then uh more power to you but it just became a bit of a room that we we used to dump stuff in when we didn't know where to put it so emma's had that as an office we um finally could order all the billy um bookshelves that i wanted to finish my room and ordered her some as well and got her some desks in there got all my new desks in and um, I had the office set up for a while and I thought, well, I just flicked the desk around. Um, so I've got like a U-shaped workspace now and I've got a six by four up in the office as well. So I've got all my, the bits that people have seen pictures of before, that's pretty much the same with an extra extra cabinet now with glass doors on it. And uh, the other end is a six by four gaming table permanently set up and I've set up a big light over the top, um, sort of a proper... Photographer's light, so it looks really good for taking photos and for for playing games and things. And I've um, yesterday I was just I just picked up a uh, like a cheap GoPro. Um, they do really nice wide angle. Remember the problem I had when we tried to film top down, Dan? Can you remember? Remember we <laughs> couldn't quite get the, yeah because the ceiling's not that high in this top floor. Um, so GoPros have a really kind of wide lens. Um, so I picked up you can get really cheap GoPros for about thirty five. 40 quid and 4k and it works so i can have it over the top of the table and have a top-down view all the time see i do if i film a battle report or something i can have that as one view camera locked off and then have another camera which you do for the most of the filming moving around and pointing at the uh, your opponent and things um and then just edit them together so you just got that kind of option to flick to the top-down view if you want to so um yeah just basically playing around getting my office stroke hobby room set up to do a, not a lot more youtube stuff and some of that's obviously going to be on my on miniature realms channel but uh, you know and it means we can do more stuff for out the frying pan as well um it will make it it means when you, you can come and you can come and stay or come and stay nearby if you want, don't want to sleep in a, a two-year-old's bedroom but you can uh, come and stay and we can obviously get some games in and maybe film a couple of battle reports or something Dan, i haven't mentioned that to you yet we'll just do it live on the podcast but um but it's, it's no it's, pressure <laughs> no pressure we you can always be busy you can always be busy um but the it's um yeah we've i've got the ability to do that now so i've got gaming spaces there all the time the only the only problem with it is that any gaming really needs to be done by about 10 p.m. because I, was just, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, probably a few times it's a townhouse, it's the top floor. And the top floor is essentially our master bedroom with ensuite and the office. And um, the middle floor is where the kids are with the family bathroom and uh, one of the two-year-old and a six-year-old asleep. Um, I don't want people traipsing down using the toilet right next to them. They'd have to walk all the way down to the bottom stairs to use the toilet downstairs, which would be annoying if my wife was in bed. So we thought it'll probably be like a 10 p.m. cutoff period or daytime gaming, so to speak, so that we can use the ensuite. And then when the wife goes to bed about 10 o'clock, we it's kind of like game over. So not not being too noisy in the room next door, but that's not much of a um, much of a major issue and my tables are foldable in anyway so if i you know if i've got people around for late night boozy game then i can always set my table up downstairs in the uh, in the kitchen anyway but i'm quite happy and it's uh the biggest you know 
it's taken me a while, but it's the first time I've had a hobby room with a gaming table in that's up full time, apart from my my little summer house back in when I was in Cheltenham, which was a little bit cold at times. So um, yeah, I'm very very chuffed, but it just it's taken me ages to moving furniture around and setting up lights and um, putting up cameras and playing around with all that kind of stuff rather than actually painting miniatures. So a lot of my personal hobby time's gone into playing around with that kind of stuff. Um, and then the final thing I was doing really starting to get back on the planning train for Flotsam and Jetsam. So um, things are still up in the air a little bit at the moment. I sort of go one day to the next thinking that Flotsam and Jetsam was going to go ahead and then the next not. Um, with the, the the concerns over the Indian variant in the UK at the moment, we're still not sure whether we will go to full unlock from the 21st of, of June Um and Flotsam and Jetsam is the 10th of July, but I did manage to put an announcement out um, last weekend now. So I think it was last Friday, actually, so about a week ago, saying that uh, that the the planned singles for the Sunday, which was only half planned, no tickets sold or anything, I'm just going to... I've just knocked that on the head. I don't want to go through the, the heartache and pain of uh, planning that, buying extra trophies and, and extra things in, and taking money off people for tickets only to have to cancel it. So to simplify it, that's just gone definitely gone by the wasteland really gone to the wasteland until we can do something better next year but because the doubles is all paid up and it's still got a full roster of people planned in and the terrain's pretty much all there and done it's just a matter of um being able to go ahead and do it so it's uh just waiting now really chip and income gamering and holding pattern waiting to find out whether we can do it and uh and um and so am I really. So as soon as we know one way or another, we'll be able to make a, a decision and then it will be the, the decision about whether it's a another postponement or a cancellation, give people the money back and just start scratch from, from next year, which is um, may well be the case because I just think that the, the year is going to run out of time again. We've got too many other things going. Um, but we got plans for next year anyway, haven't we, Dan? So. Yes, we do. We, uh, we will, we will uh, be very much more of a, a podcast-driven event, and it will definitely be a weekend, and it will definitely include some some free gaming periods as well. Maybe even Friday nights and um, and the Saturday night with a with a buffet curry and that kind of stuff. And Incon Gaming's got a lovely courtyard, and because of COVID, they've um, built some covered areas now proper sort of outdoor marquees but wooden ones with with roofs over with heated ta- heated heat lamps and things like that and lights out there so um it's really well set up for a, a july event so flotsam and jetsam 2022 would would be a july event again it'll be the same weekend as 2000 trees is on because that's when incom gaming isn't oh well it's when the, the two pigs which is where incom gaming also shares its premises with isn't open as a as a um, indie pub stroke club because all the locals go to the, the festival so it becomes it can become ours for the whole weekend which means we can have the tables set up and we can use the courtyard for for just hanging out all evening and having beers and things which is what we wanted it to be this year but it just yeah there are are things are things afoot that everyone knows about mitigating circumstances so far. <laughs> oh dearie me well um I think that's me, to be honest with you. So I said, disappointing on how much I've, I've painted, but um, we probably should uh, probably should move on to talking about things that are uh, <laughs> more important. Yes, definitely. Let's crack on. All right then. Well, let's take a little break, and we'll come back and discuss Erebor. The hour grows late, and Blandolf Grey Plastic comes seeking my counsel. 
You are sure of this plan, Dalf? Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf. The commission painter. We must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com. You have elected the way of paint. And welcome back after that short break. <laughs> so, that was, a, that was a, bit, a bit of a private joke between me and Dan. We uh, There was a slightly longer break between sections of the podcast than we when we originally expected. Um, so... How long ago was it, Dan? When? How many? How I was many? just thinking that in my head. I think it's about two and a half weeks ago that we recorded the first bits. Was it? Was it that long? I thought it was more like ten days or something. But you might well be right. It's probably two weeks, isn't it? Didn't we do it on the Thursday? So it's probably. Oh two no, it was weeks a Thursday today. before you went away. So, so two weeks. Yeah, today. two weeks exactly. Two weeks today. So um, we we had a chat after recording many meetings. We had a, we had a little bit of a chat, and we went right. Let's do the let's do the main section. Then I hit record. And then I couldn't hear Dan. And then I looked up and Discord was disconnected and uh, thought, oh, it's just sign me out. Turned out my internet just died and it died for about three hours. Um, <laughs> it was an hour of swearing at my end. I don't know if Dan was swearing or not, but um, yeah, internet just decided to take a few hours off and um, wasn't brilliant. Uh, so we couldn't record the show. Now, the problem was I was... I, I was busy the Friday and the Saturday and I was going away on holiday on the Sunday. So I've been away in Cornwall um for a week and come back and then on um we were going to record this on the tuesday this week and something we, we didn't quite get around to that either Dan yeah, had a very, very straight up busy... i started a new job this week and uh life has got ahead of me uh, so it, it took till today but we're here we am rec- it's, it's earlier than we normally record the kids aren't in bed yet the kids aren't home so if we, people you may hear them arrive at some point as we're recording <laughs> this it's a, a very sunny warm um thursday evening in june and i'm sitting looking at my window actually it's very 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 nice so it's, it's normally dark when we record it feels a bit odd um but yeah we just thought we'd um mention that we could have completely ignored that but uh, it's the main reason why there was no show actually released in in may because this would have been out um on the last day of may um like we sort of got into a habit at the moment is putting a show out the last day of the month and it hasn't happened because of that because the internet died and then i was away on holiday and i think then steve's down in was down in cornwall the week after me so we'll have to i'll have to Send him a message and compare notes. Um, seems to be the place to go for our staycations in the UK at the moment. Anyway, shall we shall we crack on with talking about Erebor and the dwarves um, and our kind of bit of a mini look at the law um, leading up to us talking about the uh, the the Danine Foot um, the second and Thorin the third um, oh, profiles. No. And we thought we'd yes. just bring it in. So let's let's do it. So you're you're gonna sort of start us off, but I imagine we're both gonna uh, blabber on and talk over each other and things. We just wanna you know, just to put it out there, this is there are there are much better, more detailed and probably well much better presented um versions of this out there on the internet, in books, in reading and stuff, but we thought we'd have some fun talking about it because we both love dwarves. Anyway, so Dan, I'll leave you leave you with you so you can start us off. Well, for for start the 
the story of Erebor really is the story of the line of Durin or Durin's folk because it's so intrinsically linked with um, his sort of progeny, his line throughout the ages of the dwarves. Um, all roads seem to lead to Erebor from there. So um, all kicks off as it should do with Durin the first. So you, um, those who know the story of the sort of coming of the dwarves and uh, sort of the sections from the Silmarillion which deal with the uh, them being created and being put to sleep for the elves and their awakening, etc. We're not going to cover too much of that, although we obviously encourage everyone, uh, if you uh, feel up to it, to uh, pick up a copy of the Silmarillion and uh, give it a read because it is rewarding. It's, I won't say it's easy. It is quite tough. A bit of a dense bit of, uh, bit of text, but it's definitely worth it. It definitely gives an awful lot of extra uh, sort of flowery around stuff around the edges and it gives you a little bit extra the taste of that middle earth goodness there's some there's but some just, good uh, youtube channels as well just just cutting there yes there's some good youtube channels that do they kind of break it down into normal speak if you want to um just hear about the origins of the of the dwarves and the um the birth of middle earth there's some there's some good stuff out there which means you don't need to read the silmarillion in order to get that information this is this is very true, and there is um, a very good um, audio because it's brilliant, isn't there nowadays? So uh, yes. that's also an option. So we'll just cut, cut to the chase on Durin. He was the oldest of the seven dwarf fathers. Um, how that worked out, I'm not entirely sure. I don't, I don't think they ever really uh, went into how much older he was than the others. Maybe it's in minutes. Um, and he actually was uh, basically after the elves awoke um, in the years of the trees. Uh, he, he awoke underneath uh, Mount Gundabad. Now uh, Gundabad may be familiar to some of you because that's where uh, some of the protagonist or antagonists rather of the Hobbit movies, so if that's uh, more what you've been into so far, came from. So it's, uh, it's always an interesting one. So he actually ended up travelling uh, down south through uh, Middle Earth and came to uh, the Miramir, which was the lake, which is uh, outside Khazadum or Moria. And that's where he founded the uh, sort of dwarf city-state of Khazadum. So then we're going to... Move on a little bit. We're going to go to Durin the Third. Um, so basically, he's uh, again part of Durin's folk. He was the first uh, bearer of the seven dwarf rings. So when uh, Sauron the Deceiver uh, uh, basically tricked the elves into helping him forge the rings, which were then obviously passed out nine to the uh, ru- rulers of men and uh, seven to the dwarves and the three to the elves. Um, the first of the rings was given to Durin the Third. Which incidentally is the ring that Thrain the Second is take is wearing and is taken by uh, Sauron as the necromancer in uh, Dol Guldur. Uh-huh. So that's a little, little touch point in the history of uh, the line of Durin. So we uh, move on to uh, Durin the Sixth. So um, basically, he was the ruler of uh, Khazadum when uh, they delved too deep and too greedily and awoke the Balrog. So he was uh, killed alongside his uh, son, Nain the First. And the dwarves were driven from Khazadun. So that was around the, the year TA uh, 1980. And so about 19 years later, Erebor was founded by Thrain I. Now, that's not the Thrain that we'll know from the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies or indeed the grandfather of Thorin. This is Thrain I. And the Arkenstone was actually found there, which is a major de- uh, sort of deviation in the um, Hobbit movies because obviously they allude to um, Thrain II being the one to find the Arkenstone. It was actually found then, much, much earlier. So he becomes the king under the mountain at that point. So that's what the first king under the mountain is, Thrain I. So um, 
through the, the years, you end up with Thorin the first. As 211 years later, he abandons Erebor to go to the Grey Hills. So the actual Erebor was abandoned for 380 years. So it stood for a long time, even all those riches, completely abandoned. No one lived there. And then uh, later on, you had uh, Dane the first, who was in the Grey uh, Hills, and uh, the war with the dragons. Now, uh, we won't go into too much of that now, but obviously uh, things happen. They are covered in the appendices. Uh, you Again, more welcome to catch up on YouTube and we'll read up on them in uh, the appendices and the histories as published by uh, Christopher Tolkien. Um, so uh, when Dane is killed, he has two sons. It was Gror, who goes to the Iron Hills. He's the father of um, Dane the second Ironfoot. And then you've got Thror, who is obviously the Thror who goes to Erebor. So... 180 years later after that, in, in re regular sort of, you know, posterity and, and prosperity and, and everything that's going on with that, Smaug arrives. So we all know what happens then. <laughs> yeah. So there's, um, it gets quite, Tolkien's very good at making sure that, that, that rulers have the same name again and again and again, which I suppose is, is very realistic in our in our own world and our own history but it can get a little bit confusing when you're trying to read and understand which frame which thorin which um which Durin. yeah which we we struggled with a little bit to begin with and i definitely had to do some double checking and some uh clarification when i was reading through it but uh short basically it's uh during the first is the first during the third gets the ring um then there's a bit of mucking around uh with the Arkenstone that's found by Thrain the First. The uh the dwarves then go to the uh Grey Hills, they have a bit of a scrap with the dragons, and then uh, the two sons, uh Gror and Thror, found well refound Erebor and then found the Iron Hills. And later on we end up with the Hobbit. So that's your quick rundown. That's your quick rundown. There there's um I think the the Durins, they were uh... They're only named Durin, aren't they, when they, they have a likeness, supposedly, to the original yes, Durin. supposedly reincarnated. Yes. Uh, Durin so. come again. <laughs> I wonder how they know. How do they know that he looks like him? <laughs> well, that is a very good... Uh, you know, maybe there's a likeness somewhere within the, uh, the bowels of Khazadun, which shows... They exactly rip out a picture like. that's well, thousands of years old and go, Nope. <laughs> Well, master stonemason, so it might be an incredible, you know, um, bust somewhere sculpted, or you know, back then they didn't have quite such a problem with the elves. Maybe there was something was done then. <laughs> and at what point do they know? So was it when they're born? Because babies, you know, change quite so, a lot. <laughs> so it's it, like all babies look like Winston Churchill. Maybe all dwarf <laughs> babies look like <laughs> Durin. Yeah. You say, well, he looks like Durin. So, yeah. or do they wait to? I don't know. Wait to their lot. Like, 50 years old or something going yeah, why he really looks like Durin your name is now Durin what oh god no. anyway there's been <laughs> it a bit silly, but... <laughs> um it's um it's 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 typical of the way Tolkien writes the histories isn't it they're like law there's a lot of laws of legend aren't they there's there's a lot there that um he may know may know in his head or may have known in his head but it's left left to uh imagination and uh it doesn't really matter I'm just I'm just mucking about a bit but Okay, so we wanted to sort of 
we don't want to dwell too much on the on the Hobbit area uh, area era because uh, everyone knows that quite well. I imagine everyone listening to this is well familiar with the films, at least even if they haven't read the Hobbit the book. Um, but there, I suppose, it's worth noting a, a few key points um, before we get to the sort of the War of Ring stages of things. So, um, so we know we know that that Smaug. Um, attacked um, Erebor and um, destroyed Dale and drove everyone out, drove the, the, the dwarves to the hills. They lived in Dunland for a while, I believe. Um, yes. And they, they, they sort of set up new halls there. We don't, I don't, I've not seen any description of what their halls in, in those areas were like, um, but they're definitely not... Um, not supposedly as good as um, as 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 obviously as the, the great halls in in the mountains, um, and some of them did sort of normal jobs like smithing and ironmongery and things like that. Uh, I think um, Thorin meets Gandalf in Bree, which is in the extended films, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes, uh, Desolation of Smaug. That's covered right at the beginning. So that's that's covered in uh, in the Lord of the Rings appendices. Um, in the Durin's folk chapter, I believe, and uh, and it's a chance meeting in Bree. Um, that Gandalf is travelling to the Shire, um, and I can't remember to say where Thorin's there, but he's, uh, I think he's, I can't remember he's been working somewhere or something. But they they'd both been thinking of each other without having ever met. If that sounds really, it sounds weirder than it does when it when it's when it's read in <laughs> when you when you read it in the Tolkien. But um they've both been you know thinking of each other that we should meet and um and from that meeting they they discussed the dragon. Gandalf I think was one is 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 concerned about the growing evil in the world, especially in the north and the danger of the dragon. And obviously the dragon is is inextricably linked to Thorin's own future and his own desires to to kind of regain some um regain Erebor but also some pride and um and, and his kingdom again. Um and that that meeting kind of puts the, the the course for the rest of the um the rest of the, the story that we know whether that be the, the 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 stuff that happens in the hobbit um and the things that lead to the war of the ring um so i think we know what happens Let's, we're not going to go through what happens in the hobbit are we but we no it, i suppose the big the big thing is uh, thorin is killed and yes. then dane becomes king that's right so it, it kind of culminates in the, in the first battle of dale um Thorin dies, Dane becomes king under the mountain and, and prospers. And I think it's after that time, isn't it? But I don't think it's presented that way in the books. I think it's after that time, because of all this happening, that um, Gandalf is able to um, get the help of the White Council to attack Dol Guldur as well. It all happens around that, that period, and we, we have the fall of the Necromancer, etc., etc. So those are all big story arc things that then lead us to the, the, the few years of, 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 of relative peace before um, we, we build into the War of the Ring. And that, yes, kind, of, that kind of brings us on to these two characters, where the, the models that have just been released. Um, so there's not a lot written about this at all, about those characters. So we have a, a very, very, very sort of brief discussion of the, the Battle of Dale, which is covered in Durin's Folk, it's covered in some of the um, the extended works as well, but there's the odd throwaway line here or there. Um, but essentially in, um, in in 1319, March the 17th to the 27th is the full period where the, the fighting took place. Um, dwarves led by Ein, uh, Dane, 
the second, Ironfoot and his son Thorin the second. Well, he will become the second um, when uh, when when something happens. Um, and men of Dale, led by King Brand and his son Bard, and uh, Brand is Bard the Bowman's grandson. Um, they are the uh, the good protagonists, and then uh, the Easterlings are led by an unnamed Easterling we don't know much about or, or anything about them really. Um, but under the command of of Sauron, a huge army of Easterlings lead their way up the Carnan River, um, destroying land in the New Kingdom of Dale as they went. So they're not just attacking Dale and the and Erebor; they are um, destroying the whole New Kingdom that's grown since the happenings of the Hobbit. Um, King Dane and King Bran lead armies out to meet them, um, but they're really heavily beaten, um, they're almost destroyed. Um, they lose ground for three days, constantly being pushed back until they reach the gates of Erebor themselves. Um, things are looking pretty, pretty dire, to be honest with you. Um, and then it is there that King Bran is slain, um, and Dane is really distraught by this, um, and he refuses to leave his body and dies next to him. So they're fighting, fighting at the gates there. Uh, so their sons, Thorin II and Abad II, take command um, and hold back the Easterlings for seven days at the gates. Um, and then on the 27th of March, 3019, the seventh day, news reaches the Easterlings of Sauron's defeat at Pelennor and also his utter destruction afterwards, after the ring is destroyed. Um, so this destroys their morale and they're now stranded without support um, in the north. And they, have, they also fear what Gondor will do now that Gondor's free to um, attack them. And Gondor's been their kind of um, history, historical enemy. Um, they've had most of their wars have been against Gondor. So when the dwarves of Erebor and the men of Dale learn this, they sally out and attack the Easterlings who break free, break and free to the flee to the east. And that's all we really know about the Battle of Dale, or I could find out anyway. Um, yeah. Anything worth adding is, of course, um, during the hunt for the Ringbearer, uh, an emissary is sent to yes. the doors of Erebor yeah. and uh, asking for knowledge of the uh, whereabouts of Baggins. Yes. And Dane essentially tells him to bugger off. Exactly. Much like he did the elves. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was just going to come on to next. So the, the, there's the, the to sort of add a little bit more context to that, which brings us in earlier into the thing. That what exactly what you have what you said just happened, and um, that's partly why um, Gloin and, and Gimli are sent to Rivendell as well. They're seeking guidance on that as well as to uh, um, find out where Balin may have gone. So they're searching for him, but they also have gone to ask um, Elrond for guidance on what to do about this threat and um, what will happen if they are attacked because they fear they're going to be attacked, which essentially they are in the end. Um, so that kind of sets the the scene, doesn't it, for what. Um, what looks like the Middle Earth team might be doing with uh, with some new releases. We obviously we only know about Day Nine Foot um, and um, Thorin the Third Stonehelm at the moment, so the older Day Nine Foot, um, and they've mentioned um, um, Brand, haven't they? And yes. Bard in, the, in the in the extra rules on Thorin the Third, so we know that 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 there's at least two more coming at some point in the future, but we don't know when. Um, so, um, I mean, what are your um, what are your thoughts about um, gaming? I suppose in uh, in this 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 northern con- you know northern um, what's the word I'm looking for? Theatre, northern theatre. Yes, in the in the War of the Ring, which isn't really covered in the in the books and things. Well, I think for. The biggest thing for me is um, obviously the, the, the additional rules that uh, fielding uh, the two characters give you are basically being able to run Iron Hills in the War of the Ring era. 
which is huge for me because that's you know an army I, I own so for the you know the benefit of you know putting two models into my force i can then take my entire army and play it you know thematically and, and narratively in the uh the other era so that that's a huge thing for me yeah yeah more than anything else um i love that i genuinely really really love that um i see we don't know what else is going to come um you know will it be uh, a sort of smaller um you know scouring of the shire style or would it be a sort of monstrous epic of a you know gondor uh, or you know rohan or whatever yeah, it's true. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell. It could, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a book on its own. I'm, I'm sure it will be the way things have happened. Um, but, it, you know, it, it could very easily be a bit of an ensemble book as well, couldn't it? Mm. You don't necessarily. There's a lot you could do. There's a lot more characters you could bring into it. It could also be a very limited release where all you do is is add the a couple of heroes for the men of the men of Dale to match. Um, so you can so you can fight the, the second battle of, of Dale. Um, you only need two. Technically, you only need two more profiles to be able to do that, don't you? Um, so yeah, that, exactly. That, so you could really slim it down, and and you could do it all as a as a PDF release like this, and just put the profiles in a future book. Um, oh God, you're going to have people gnashing their teeth with the idea of that. <laughs> but it, but it's it's it's, it's entirely possible. You could we could have a we we could see these profiles just added to um a, yeah, a future a future book you know next time they do the profiles i don't think they'll do that i'm i my money's on them doing something more but we don't know yet and i don't i suppose we don't want to get into wish listing too much um but they could do that i i imagine we'll see some some more fun things as well i imagine we'll see some kind of easterling hero or something which would be cool um but if, if well, not, we've already is, seen a few new models haven't we the uh, the acolytes yeah well the acolytes are out aren't they so we i think that's why people are getting excited because they've seen those things um but what all i'm saying is that I'm still excited, even if there were only just two more model releases than the ones they've mentioned in, uh, in on the profile for for Thorin the Third. Um, we probably probably should discuss that now um, rather than discuss it when we discuss the profiles for for Deathmatch. Um, um, let's have a little look at how the how the armies work because it probably fits better into this section than it than it does into into the Deathmatch itself. So, um, so the the two new. Um, Dwarf profiles. So, if your force contains Dane, Ironfoot, King under the Mountain, or Thorin the Third, Stonehelm, then all models in Erebor reclaimed army list change their Iron Hills keyword for the Erebor keyword. Additionally, your force may not include the following models. So, it's the dead people essentially. <laughs> so, Thorin, um, Keely, Feely, um, Balin, um, Bomber. Is he dead or off doing something else? Uh, to be he's honest. too fat to leave. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I was going to say, if not, if he's not dead, he, I imagine his heart's under some strain. Um, Ori, dead, isn't he? Um, Oin, I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, the, obviously there's the members of Balin's expedition to Khazad-dum are dead. So, yeah. No, um, and the, the models that are also models, the uh, characters or personalities who were killed during the... Uh, so events of the Hobbit obviously are gone, and then you've got uh, obviously the old profile of Dane as well. So which you 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 can't run two Danes. You can't have his younger self running running with his older self. 
Um, <laughs> and Dwellin may not take a war goat. Maybe he's got too old. So maybe he's got a bad back, can't ride a goat anymore. Um, additionally, ignore the allies' matrix. Um, so he, he basically, the, you use the Erebor reclaimed army list, um, but you ignore the allies' matrix as well as removing those those, those listed um, profiles. And then you're historic. You can basically be historical allies with the garrison of Dale, so long as the list contains Brand, King of Dale, or Bar the Second, Prince of Dale. And those are the the two new profiles and models that uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing. Um, and then they will can be convenient uh, allies with Dead of Dunn, Harry Fangorn. I won't read the rest of that out, but um, um, for those of you that sort of play at events and things like that, that might become something interesting to see if you some some convenient allies combo but it's not really something that i'm probably going to look at i'd be looking to build this as a as a themed list so it would only be the uh the standard green allies that i would do if i was going to build a list i'm definitely interested in doing it it's 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 like the same as you i've got iron hills already most of it painted i've got a usable force i like the idea of buying a couple of um new models and well i've got them already <laughs> painting them and then completely changing your army um and i'm also quite open to buying a box of plastic dale and, and a couple of uh, future forge world i'm assuming forge world um brand king of dale and and bar the second prince of dale um i really like the idea that you can just pick up a couple of i might be tempted maybe love it. you know you will <laughs> I've, I've got i've got way too much on the list i mean obviously since we've uh, done many meetings i've got my uh champions of Erebor, which i'm painting through at the moment yes and i've just bought thrandrill on elk i saw I, see, I forgot you didn't have that and you posted that the other do you where do you post that i saw you i recently saw you post it story the oh, i was uh, in the the thrandrill or yeah the thrandrill yeah yeah i've actually also painted um ori as well but i've not posted a picture he's fully painted the champion of Erebor. Fantastic. I've got uh, Dory sit on uh, set on my painting handle at the moment, but uh, yeah, we handle. <laughs> oh, so, looking on Friday. So you're 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 well, you're you're in the market for more dwarves at the moment. That is the time is right for you. There's a, there's a good. I, I need um, goats. And that's the next thing for me. Thanks, so, uh, my, my dwarves might be a little bit longer behind the queue of other things I need to do. But um, I, it, the idea of running these armies definitely interests me. And I'd be very, very, I'd be, I'd be over the moon just with two more PDF profiles to, you know, those two characters released with a similar kind of set of rule type thing. And um, it'd be nice for the Easterling players to maybe have something as well. But it's, if it's a very limited release, I'm still thinking it's pretty cool. Um, if it becomes a whole campaign book or something, then brilliant. I would be interested to see this. So it's, we're just guessing, isn't it? Just guesswork. It could be a really big thing with loads and loads of other stuff that's covered in the uh, War of the Ring that's not covered by the other books. Um, there's you know, all the other stuff that's not Pelennor essentially or Rohan released, um, or it could just be this. We just we don't know. We're just guessing, aren't we? So let's wait and see. And uh, I'm excited about what there is. And uh, to come, I think. Um, yeah, shall we touch on uh, the profiles themselves? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, let's take a break. Um, and we'll come back and we'll do heroic deathmatch because today heroic deathmatch is a uh, is a training match between Dane Ironfoot and Thorin the Third, and we'll we'll cover their profiles as part of that. Hello, welcome back, and welcome to an heroic death match. And first one for ages for me, 
absolutely ages with Dan taking care of it for a fair few months now. So it's good to be back for it. Um, and today, as mentioned at the end of the previous section, we are looking at the two new profiles today of Dane Ironfoot, King Under the Mountain, and Thorin the Third Stonehelm. So we thought we'll have them, we'll have them sparring. Um, no, uh, they're gonna they're gonna pull the punches a little bit, but they will have them sparring, and it's a nice way to discuss the new profiles rather than just to be cold. We thought we'll we'll make it to a death match. So, Dan, do you want to start us off with Dane Ironfoot, King Under the Mountain? I do indeed. So we have Dane Ironfoot, King Under the Mountain. He's one hundred and thirty points. He's a dwarf. He's from Erebor. Uh, he's an infantry hero of legend. So he's moving five, fight six, four plus, strength four, defense eight. Three attacks, three wounds, courage of seven, three might, three will, one fate. He's wearing heavy dwarf armor, and I'm not going to try and pronounce his red axe, but he's carrying the red axe. <laughs> it begins with B. Uh, Barazantathul, maybe? I don't know. Barazantathul, maybe. Um, this is a masterforged hand and a half axe. And he has heroic resolve, strike, strength, and challenge. Uh, he is fearless. He is venerable. So when Dane makes a jump, leap, or climb test, he will roll two dice and pick the lowest result. Bye and back. he is king under the mountain. So friendly Erebor dwarf models, including hero models, will benefit from Dane's stand fast regardless of range. So that's quite cool. He's quite cool. He's no longer fearless bubble kind of thing anymore, though. No, I mean, there's a few there's a few things that are kind of slightly different, aren't there? He's, um, I thought it was quite an interesting profile. Um I like the fact they call him venerable. Which is, yeah, he's old. old. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, he is different to his uh, younger counterpart, but that, that's as you'd expect. Yeah. Um, he's no longer uh, sort of got the, the whole burly double-handed weapon thing going on, uh, but uh, yeah, he's getting on a bit. So, and obviously, he dies, so he only has the one point fate. But he's, he's still pretty tough. It's just uh, he needs to put the pain out rather than take it. If people can get past his high defense, that's going to be a problem for him. Yeah, definitely. So it's always he's. If we compare the two profiles, I'm sure a lot of people have done this. He's ten points less than his um his younger self. Um, his his main stats, as you said, are pretty much the same. He's one less strength, isn't he? So strength four. He was strength five before. Yeah. Um, and like we lost the two points of fate, and he's uh, lost the burly. Yeah. yeah, and burly. But that that he get that doesn't matter because the um, Barazantathul. There we go. Is is master forged, mm-hmm. so that basically gives you the um, gives you that back anyway, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so that that doesn't matter, and it's nice that they were able to get the the the, the red axe from from talking lore into it, whereas they obviously couldn't for the original release because he doesn't have it in the film. Peter Jackson decided to have him with a hammer rather than the red axe, which is there from the from the appendices from from the from when he kills Azog. So. Yeah. That's that's nice to see. So they may, they were able to bring that back in his older self, which is quite cool. So he's so yeah, he's ten points less. He's minus one strength, minus two fate. He loses Burley. Um, these other special rules are different as well because he had quite a few before, didn't he? he had his like, yeah, fiery temper and, and his um, fearsome charge and headbutt. And um, as I say, Lord of the Iron Hills is 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 different, but he's got um, King Under the Mountain now. So they stripped a lot. You lose a lot for the ten points. So if you're comparing the two profiles, you think. Normal Dane suddenly looks really, really good points wise. I'm not trying to maybe normal Dane's too good. Maybe, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. New I, Dane or new old Dane I, is not, a more 
I'm not. Balanced I'm not reflection. complaining, and I don't even. I don't even know meta wise. We'll leave that up to the the um, the, the tournament players that, that, to kind of discuss whether that's a good or bad thing. But it d- I did find it quite noticeable. I was just comparing the two out of interest and thinking, yeah, there's a lot lost for only ten points difference, so to speak. But um, so it would suggest that one of them is either too low or one of them's too high, maybe. But um, I still think it's pretty cool. Um, right then. So and um, let's have a look at. Thorin the third, Stonehelm. So he's 120 points. He's moved five, fight six, four, strength four, defense eight, three attacks, two wounds, courage six, and he's three, 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 might well fate. Um, that's what the younger one gets you. And he's heavy armor shield and a hand and a half pick. Um, he's got strike, strength, and defense. And his special rules, cool headed. It's active. Whenever Thorin declares an heroic action, roll a d6 on a 5+, plus. no might is spent, and the heroic action is free. That's cool. Additionally, yeah. if Thorin declares a heroic action and an enemy model subsequently declares a heroic action, Thorin may choose to change the type of heroic action he's declared. That's really cool. I love that yeah. cool-headed rule. It's really... That, it, it reads like, that's going to be quite good <laughs> i don't know whether it is um those people that have played him in a sort of a more competitive sense i don't know but it's just one of those it doesn't always work out that way does it but sometimes you read a rule and think that seems pretty good <laughs> and uh maybe the five but you'll have a game where you never roll five up and you don't ever get your mic back i suppose and that's that's the balancing factor there um and i won't read the box to do with um the um who we can ally with, etc. So we covered that in the last section. Um, I, I like the profile. It's quite it's quite simple, isn't it? It's he's a he's a tough dwarf um, that can uh, that can fight quite well and and is is quite resilient. Um, and cool. the model's awesome. And the model is awesome. Yeah, I do like him. That that cool headed rule makes him a little bit uh, makes him a little bit more interesting. Um, so predictions. How we how do you think they're going to go sparring against each other? Uh, if I can, if I can get ahead, I can put the you know in terms of the uh, the jewel roll. If yeah. I can clinch that, I can put a bit more hurt out than you can. Yes, definitely. So you're wounding on a uh, on fives with the with you essentially with your your two handed from your master forge weapon, aren't you? Um, yeah. I'm wounding on sixes. I could wound on fives if I go two handed, but then I lose the shield. Um. And potentially the jewel. Jewel, yeah. So I, you know, I'd be, I'd probably not do that. Um, um, so I've got two extra fate. You've got the extra wound there. Um, so it's it's one of those that could go either way. They're not so wildly apart you, from each if other. If you can that, farm the might, that will yeah. be where you win. If you can last me out through the expenditure of might for strike, yeah, and then uh, get a few back, that's where you're going to definitely come good. I think. Right. Shall we get started? Absolutely. So uh, I'll note before we start any of this, uh, if I do lose, it's not my customary uh, poor streak on this. I am using my uh, Battle Streams of Middle Earth dice for the first time in a dual roll since they've arrived, including my very coveted black dice for winning the uh, the draw on the week. So uh, they have uh, a certain reputation for rolling terribly. So we'll see if that is holding true. I only rolled mine once and they were quite good. And I sent David a picture. He's like, they're great share that on the group but they're on the shelf now i haven't and um, i'm not using them i've got some standard non middle earth dice here so we'll have to see how they go so are you uh are you striking Let's up by any chance oh yeah i'm gonna strike up <laughs> Aren't we i'm gonna strike up to oh a nice big fight 10 or four 
Um, and I've rolled a five. So we're both on flight ten. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Are you going double-handed? No. <laughs> All right. Let's go for it. Come on, you six. No. I've got six. Two ones and a three. <laughs> Good old battle streams dice. I'll roll the six. Right then. Here we go. Needing sixes again, though. Nothing, unless I want to spend another might to do it. Uh, do, do, do. No, I'll leave it. No, that's silly. I might as well take the wound. We're going to use it. I'm going to use a might to Okay. No, typically, no blooming the one point of fate. I rolled a one four. Before battle streams die, so I'm down to two wounds and no fate. Cool. Right. right, I'm going to strike up again. Me too. That's all my might gone. Uh, again, fight ten. And, oh, I've rolled three dice, and that's what we're doing. I've got the back. So, no. Ooh, I mean, you want to roll a dice for the five plus to see if you get it back? Um, Toric strike, isn't it? Oh, that's a good point. Um, no. No. Right. right then. So, you're, yeah, you're high. Oh, I've got two sixes. My oh, word. There we go. Back to me not rolling dice again. You got what you were double handed this time, didn't you? Uh, oh, no, you, you didn't roll double handed. You didn't declare double handed, so I didn't just, declare yeah, roll your dice. No. I didn't declare double handed. Um, yeah, but you've got I rolled lower on strike, so you were. Uh, oh, you're well, off okay. That's why I'm not rolling. So uh, go for it. True. Wound me. Fives. Got two fives and a three. I'm going to go with two fives. Two fives, so right. There we go. Let's, uh, let's spend some fate. Um, nope. Um, no. I'm going to get rid of all my fate in one go, trying to save it. Um, one four up. So, have you take a wound and you got no fate, fate left? It's getting, it's getting a pasting. The young pretender. Right. Final bit of uh, might I'm going to use for strike. Uh, right, so I'm called a one. Cool. Guys, so we'll fight seven. Ooh, five high for me. Five high for me, which I'm fight you. seven wins it. All right, one five. Come on. One five. Clobbers in. Him. And he's on his ass. <laughs> you got one well, five? He, he's still the daddy. Oh, yeah, he's only two wounds, isn't he? Yep. Two wounds. On his he arse. is. So, flatter the axe to the side of the head. Go on, come back later. There we go. So you're, you're. I would say you're. Uh, those battle streams just rolling fine. Yeah, that's completely destroyed the entire uh, myth of the. <laughs> I would uh, say they roll very with... averagely, though. You got it wasn't wasn't kind of crazy like the uh, wandering dice where you, it's almost embarrassingly how many sixes you rolled. I would say that was a pretty standard six Let's dice rolls. Through. I'm going to put all my battle streams and one uh, uh, yeah, out of frying pan dice. Yeah, the out of frying pan dice, there's a lot of sixes in there. <laughs> really? <laughs> Did you? Yeah, there's uh, out of the eight dice I've got, I've got four sixes, five, two fours and a two. I've never seen. I've, I've never really used them. Never Compared really used to my them. Uh, battle streams, I've got two sixes, five two fours, two threes, a two and a one. So yeah, they're quite average. I'd say they are. They are quite average. I did, yeah, I've hit every single sort of you know potential result. Can't argue with that. Absolutely right. Then well, I don't think there's there's much to really kind of sum up from that um like we said beforehand they're and close, they're close enough they could, yeah they're close enough they could go either way um i um i 
didn't, I could have rolled cool headed enough that first round. I've completely just I because yep. so often we can't use uh, the special rules in these little matchups that I uh, completely forgot about it. But um, could have I, was like, I might have had one more um, might left to use there, but um, it's, which could have uh, clinched that final one because I only got the one on the old yeah, strike. Yeah, it could have done, but um, yeah, you just have three wounds versus the the two for him. So I think. Again, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? You you roll one really you have one really good turn when you cause a couple of wounds and you put the, you put the other one on the back foot there. But um, I think Dane is, um, as the profile and the points would say, would slightly edge it. Maybe it'll be like six six or seven, six times out of ten if we played that ten. Heaven forbid, played that ten times in a row. Um, but they are both pretty cool, and I'm I'm a big fan of of, of Thorin, especially that um, especially that cool headed roll. Um, it looks good. I like it. It's a nice, simple rule as well. But, um, yeah, I like those. I think um, I'm excited to see what the Dale stuff is like um, and um, maybe look to see some games with those at some point in the future. I will definitely... It'll, it'll definitely tempt me to do... Um, to paint up my last warband of Iron Hills um, spears and do those two characters as something for a little mini-project, knowing that that gives me a whole new way to play those armies. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of a weekend or so work for me to do those um, two dwarves, and I really enjoyed them. Um, and then it's given me a, a whole new way to play with the models I already own. Absolutely. But also haven't played with. <laughs> <laughs> That'll all come soon, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Might not be quite as soon as, we, as we'd we'd hoped, where things are going at the moment, but I can't imagine it'll be too many more months before it becomes a more regular thing. Anyway, let's take a break and come back and close the show down. And we're back. We're finally at the end of the show that's taken us two weeks to record. Um, yeah, yeah. It was the end of the last show. I think I promised that we'd be back to two a month, and I uh, wish I didn't now because it's. Didn't even get one in a month. No, we didn't even. <laughs> we didn't even get one. <laughs> Slightly embarrassing. Um, it's. It, I, I'm just not going to promise anything at the moment. I'm still pretty busy and things, and you are with your new job. So I, who knows what will happen? You may get. You may get uh, another one or two in in june you may just get one towards the end of the month now it being the 10th as we're recording this this show will probably go out over the the weekend that's two days or so so i imagine you'll just have one at the at the end of the month and we've already we've already planned what we're going to do for that so i suppose we can announce that now so the next show will be our main topic it's going to be a listener's questions um section we've not done one of those yet at all we've made our way sort of into the the 30s of the show and we've not done one i did a few for the the gino podcast i did before they're always really good fun to engage with 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 you guys listening to the show so question could be about anything so if you want to make it lord of the rings related your favorite bit from the book favorite film bit favorite this a painting question maybe um a question about terrain building or narrative play I mean, you could even ask us a question about um, competitive play if you want you'd be absolutely nuts if you did but you could do um, but it, you could even ask us what a favourite drink is I don't you know anything you want to ask us and um, could be funny it's if it's rude if it's rude we may even it? still try to read it out and censor it but obviously we are a bit PG-13 so um, 
you know, don't get too crude and things. But yeah, ask us anything. Um, as long as some of it's Lord of the Rings related, it'll be fine. But ask us anything and we'll have some fun with it. Um, we will put some posts up in our social media as well, reminding you. Um, so maybe if you've got a question, maybe either email it in directly or message us directly and say it's a question for that show or wait for the, the post to go up on social media in the, in the next couple of weeks and then just ask your questions in that thread. But anyway, Dan, have you got anything you'd like to say before we finally close this show down after two weeks? Well, it feels like this probably has been longer than two weeks. It took us long enough to get together in the first place. So <laughs> first of all, sorry. And also thank you so much for bearing with us and, uh, you know, all the support and the amount of people who have asked when's the next one. It is always, you know, humbling and nice and slightly head inflating to when people ask us when it's coming because, you know, it's nice to know that what we put out there is enjoyed by people. And that you would like some more. So yeah, thanks very much for all of that. And uh, the usual uh, thanks for engaging with us on our various social medias. We're seeing more on the Facebook group, which is lovely. And uh, you know, thanks for everyone who follows the other uh, sort of groups we've got, Instagram, etc. And uh, generally making the hobby a really nice place to be. So uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. I echo all of that. Definitely, thank you for the patience for the, for the for those of you who are used to having us more regular as we get less and less regular all the time. Um, but yeah, it's just been it's been busy and it's been harder to get together and 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 have a whole evening together. And when we have the internet's failed us or something like that, which is seems a bit of a shame, really. I don't want anyone to think that that um, the shows we're losing focus of the show, especially those of you who follow me on Miniature Realms and know that I'm putting out a million YouTube videos at the moment on for other systems that the the slowdown in out of the frying pan has gotten no relation to that um it's very easy for me at the moment to record a 10 minute video or something and upload that in a short period of time but it's a lot harder for dan and i to get together um over an evening and for you know three or four hours or so and, and record a show and that's that's the only reason why that, that it's been a little bit slower not not nothing to do with any any lack of focus we are not going anywhere but anyway thank you very much for listening to the show please do think about your questions if you have any for us and uh, head over to our facebook page and like that and join our facebook group etc follow us on instagram and twitter and you can email us directly at ootfppodcast at gmail.com all of those things are in links in the show notes as well so you can just click on there and um, and shoot over and uh, check us our social media out anyway take care and we'll catch you soon